I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, friends. Uh, We're recording this on Monday, June 26th, and we'll be releasing it next week on the 3rd. Does that sound right? I think that's right. Oh my gosh, July 3rd. Holy moly. We're really cutting it close. We're really like down to the wire here. (laughs) Sorry, producers. (laughs) (laughs) What are we thinking? Recording less than a week before it's, or exactly a week, I guess, before it drops. With a holiday in tow. With a holiday. Well, here we go. We better make it a good one then. Hopefully y'all aren't actually listening to this then on July 3rd. I would love to hear that all of our amazing listeners got to have a nice extended Independence Day week to really reflect on our colonial beginnings and the ways in which we have harmed both the peoples and the land itself that we are based upon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, that just fills me with so much warmth and gratitude. You're really uh, leaning into the Americana, huh? Tell me, well, why don't you tell all the listeners, because I know what you're doing, what you're going to be doing next weekend. For 4th of July? Well, around then. I don't know. Is it on the 4th? Yes. I'm running a 5K. Woot woot. Not your first. No, not my first. Your second. This is it. Like you're a 5K runner. This is what you do now. Uh, This is just what I do. Every weekend, you just find me running. (laughs) Have you made your t-shirt yet? Uh, No, but it is in the works. I have already designed it. I just have to do the final making of it. Okay. Can you tell everybody what it's going to say? Okay. So the race itself is on 4th of July morning. And uh, as you might have guessed, I'm I'm struggling with my identity as a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. Feeling a lot of resentment towards this country. Guilt. Guilt, yes, as well. Shame. So I'm sure it'll be like a very patriotic run. So I got myself an American blue shirt and I'm having printed on it, stars, stripes, and reproductive rights. I love it. Yay. Oh, I can't wait. So you'll post a picture, right? On our Instagram? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, good. Well, I think that's amazing. Never let an opportunity to really... Take a jab at the patriarchy. Always happy to. Pass you up. Yeah. Always happy to. <laughs> well, great. What are we talking about then today? Well, today's episode topic actually came about because of a conversation we had over brunch. Yes, Brittany and I are friends in real life. We do things like brunch. Oh, my God. And pedicures. Or maybe I just get one and you just stand there. <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. We're just going to let listeners think that you're an awful person. <laughs> So we had this conversation about like the program part of an event and what Brittany was dealing with with a client. And I was just thinking about how often that is a conversation. Like, what do we actually put into the content? What do we do to make this event something special, something unique, something that's going to meet the goals, which is an important thing we should talk about, how those goals tie into the programming. But like, yeah, what actually happens at the event that gets people engaged? And I was realizing... I'm talking about it with a lot of my clients. We're also having folks prep for fall event season. Absolutely. Great time to equip our listeners with some info. So let's talk about what organizations want to put into their programs. 
across the board. As opposed to? Well, and that is as opposed to what I recommend them doing. Oh, I see. I'll see. Okay. One million different speakers. All the fucking speakers. (laughs) All the speakers all the time. Okay, so we've got a program. It's an hour long. Who do you want to speak? Well, I think we should have our ED speak. Okay, that sounds good. Our board chair speak. Oh, okay, that sounds good. The superintendent of the schools speak. Oh, we have a state representative coming. They would like to speak. Oh, God. The district attorney, let's have them speak. Let's have like any kind of person who is attending that has some sort of public office. Yes. Let's let them speak. Let's get a client to speak. Let's get a parent of a client to speak. Let's get a family of a student to speak. Let's get all the speakers. Let's get a volunteer to speak. Let's get a donor to speak. And on and on and on. And on and on and on. I don't know about you, but my rule of thumb is if people are not in a fully seated position, like where the entire audience can sit, I'm not saying like three chairs for the folks who need them, but like if the full audience can't sit, you are capped at 20 minutes, which means you're prepping for a 15 minute program because you want five minutes of leeway. 15 minutes in and out. That's it. I wholeheartedly agree wholeheartedly agree. Let's talk about the other thing that they want to do that I don't recommend is not have all the speakers write out and time their remarks beforehand. Yeah. Can I can I tell you I made this this mistake recently? Uh-oh, you yourself? Well, in not prepping properly. So, I don't do a ton of direct fundraising except for in the political realm. Right. And I've got a pretty standard thing for house parties. You know, I've got somebody who welcomes the guests, usually the people actually hosting it. I've got somebody who introduces the candidate. The candidate speaks for five minutes. We've got somebody who does the ask, and then I come up and I wrap it. That in and out can be done in 12 minutes. Yep. So, you know, I've got like the the template email I send to everybody, okay, Sam, you got two minutes for this. Susie, you have two minutes for that. Ba, 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 ba. The host who was going to do the initial welcoming calls me up and says, I've got this Boulder Trivia Pursuit game that I want to use. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, have it out on a table. She's like, no, I like, I want to like make sure people play. And I was like, okay, that's great. I didn't think anything of it until we we're there. And you didn't ask her to like write out what she was going to say about it or I didn't realize that she meant to put it in her speech (sighs) so she goes up there and at first it really was fun like she had pulled all these trivia facts about the county and she's getting the the uh, audience really engaged I love that piece but then it just kept going and going and going and this is the host like what am I going to do tell her to get off the stage It was so bad. And the candidate is like standing next to me being like, Nia, what the hell is going on? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There is like never a time when you feel more helpless. Oh, my God. As when you have someone that has control of the microphone and will not shut up and you can't get them off. Okay, sorry, one more quick story, but this is just so funny and it just happened. So at Juneteenth in Longmont, the co-chair had wanted this person to speak who is like a frequent guest of city council, often involving like poetry or songs. He just, he always likes to speak. 
and he's got a long social justice history. So she decides to give him five minutes on the stage. And even at the time, I was like, are you sure that that's a great idea? Yep, yep, yep. Got to do it. So he goes up there. He says his thing. And then he starts singing. And she tries to, like, interrupt him and, like, goes for the mic. And I'm not even joking. An octogenarian man runs away from her on the stage. (laughs) With the microphone. With the microphone. It was, and she's then on stage staring at me like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Nia? So I go over to the sound tech and I was like, if this verse isn't the end, cut his mic. (laughs) He's done. (laughs) Oh my God, that would be hysterical if you just go up to this the speaker and you like pull the cord out and like he's still talking but nobody can hear him and you're just standing there holding the cord running away with the mic oh my god anyway sorry back to the topic at hand (laughs) that's amazing i wish i could have seen it (laughs) yeah well i think that there are a lot of reasons why you should have anybody that has a speaking part at the event have remarks literally written out Mm -hmm. like not just like oh yeah i know what i'm gonna say No, like I want to see them word for word Mm -hmm. and people will push back against that. And I'm one of those people, like I get it. I'm like, I don't want to write that out. So some people will say, well, I'll just do an outline. That's all you can get from them. That's fine. Have an outline, but there needs to be a guide. And if it's word for word, that's even better. And this is why. One, for timing. We've already talked about that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think when you say somebody to somebody like, you have five minutes, I tell my kids they have five minutes all the time. And that's, it's really like 15 minutes, right? I'm trying to tell them, you've got to wrap up what you're doing. You've got just a few minutes, but it's not like I literally have a five minute timer. And I think that that's what a lot of people think. Like they're not thinking, no, like you literally have five minutes. And so if you tell them like, I need you to write it out and time yourself and tell me how many minutes it is. They're like, oh shit, they're serious. Like it has to be a certain amount of time. So psychological trick, when I'm putting together like a run of show, I will not do five minute increments. Right. Because of that right there. So if you say they have four minutes, they have six minutes, they're actually much more likely to take the time seriously. Exactly. So hot tip folks. Don't use five minute increments. Do not use five. I don't either. I mean, I'm like very specific. I'm like from 9.52 to 10.04 or whatever. Like, you know, I'm like very specific on the run of show. The second thing that it does is that it creates a whole picture for your program. There's certain aspects in any program that you're going to want to include, right? Acknowledgements. You're going to want to thank people. You're going to want to thank the board. You're going to want to thank the staff. You're going to want to thank any sponsors, in-kind sponsors. You're going to want to recognize any public officials. You're going to want to, you know, so all of those things, you just need to know that it's going to be covered because otherwise, if it's not actually written in the script, there's an assumption Like, oh, well, the ED is going to say this. And this happened in an event that I was at the other day. And I'm like, they didn't think this person, this person, this person. So I'm writing it on a piece of paper. Mm. And I'm coming up behind them and shoving it into their hand. (laughs) So they can read it so that they know that the next time they go up there, that's what they have to say. Yep. It's also, 
I've had so many people who have gotten offended when I've asked them to write out their remarks because they're taking it as a slight that I'm saying you are not like, I don't trust you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really not about that. Right. It's really about, I mean, yeah, I don't trust you, but it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But I also need to make sure that we have our T's crossed and our I's dotted in all the things that we need to communicate in a very short amount of time. Well, and ideally, too, if you have other speakers and you know what they're going to say, then the executive director's speech can, like, wrap all those themes together really effectively. Right. That's also why, like, you should ask for remarks well in advance so that your executive director can be prepared. Or you can go back and be like, hey, you're missing this, that, and the other. Can you add that into this part of the speech? Because I've also done that. I've been the one who's, like, a week before asked somebody to give remarks and then... There, there just isn't time for any feedback. And then I was like, well, that was kind of a waste of time. And then I feel bad about it. Right. Exactly. It's also a great opportunity to realize that somebody who's there to like talk about the program and the impact it's had on their lives hasn't actually put that into their speech. Yes. Yes. You want to make sure that the messaging stays on track and people can do that. They can start to ramble. Um, They can start to ramble about something that is not even remotely tied to the reason why, why everybody is there that night. Have you ever been at an event where somebody starts talking about another organization? That's so interesting. Um, I feel like I have at some point in time, but not not as appalling as I feel like you have an example of because of the way you're asking it. (laughs) (laughs) So at this event, this funder was going to be presenting a large check. And this event wasn't specifically for that. It was just like a venue that already existed. So like, let's throw this in there. And of course, the funder talks about like the work of their foundation, but then starts going pretty in depth about another institution that they fund? No, no. And present the check to that institution at this other organization's fundraiser? What? And at first it was like, oh my God, are they just confused as to why they're here? And then pulled one out for the organization that was actually hosting the event. It was so uncomfortable and bizarre. And it felt like this representative from the foundation was attempting to recruit donors from this organization to the other one. Oh my gosh, that is so uncomfortable. It was so bad. And of course, the DD and ED didn't know anything about that. Like, they thought it was just going to be a typical check presentation. Thanks so much. We love the work you do. Here's some money. That was appalling. Anyway. So, yes, you reminded me now. Thank you for sparking this memory. I was at a fundraiser for an organization that was being held at a farm that itself had its own 501c3. <gasps> yes. I yes. know what you're talking about now. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and that's great. Like the organist. So here we are, a situation where one organization is wanting to support another organization because they host events at this farm and they're like, we're going to go to this farm and we're going to support this organization that's farmed by having the event there. But they had the owner of the farm get up and talk. And that person spoke for like 15 minutes about the farm. (laughs) And I was so confused. I was like, wait a minute, are we raising money for the farm? Or are we raising money 
<laughs> for the organization that invited me here tonight. Oh my God, that's so good. Were you there? No, but I've heard the story from multiple people who are in attendance. It was wild. <laughs> wild. I was so confused. Yeah. So you got to be careful of that. Yeah. I don't know that we have any like specific advice to ward that off. It's just like a really shitty thing if it happens to you. <laughs> but again, that goes back to if you have people's remarks, like if you're going to give the owner of the farm an opportunity to say something, mm-hmm. I mean, because they like clearly gave him the microphone yeah. to like talk about the farm. But that's hard. I know. You want to think that you can just say, hey, we're so grateful that, you know, we're able to have the event here and we'd like to lift up the farm. And so if you want to say a few words about the farm, that's fine. And not then like 15 minutes later. Right. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Programs. I love this sense. Like plan for a 15 minute program if everybody's standing. So it's no longer than 20 minutes. I think if you're sitting down, it should be no longer than an hour. Absolutely. 100% agree. Even if there is an auction that Brittany's mom is distracting me from bidding in, (laughs) it should go no longer than an hour. And somebody should tell the program director to shut the fuck up when it's 10 o'clock at night and we all want to go home. Yes, exactly. As an example, for instance. Oh, that was another situation where the speaker flew in from out of state and like gets paid to speak. And I'm like, you have 10 minutes or seven minutes. And 25 minutes later, we're still standing there. And I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? She's supposed to be a professional. Videos. Videos. Yes. Everybody loves them. Everybody wants them. Half the time they're shit. Half the time they're shit. Half the time they're too long. I like the idea of there being a visual component, breaking up the speeches, mm-hmm. right? I mean, let's try to not have speaker after speaker after speaker after speaker. If you have something that can break that up, great. You want it to have some continuity with what's being talked about. I've been at ones before where I'm like, nobody actually gained any new information from that video. Like, You've basically just said what everybody else has been saying. Yep. Or like it was on something totally different. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So you, just like we talked about when you're looking at the speeches and you're trying to make sure that all your messaging is there, you want to include the video in that right overview, right? Well, and really think about like what voice are we trying to capture in this that maybe we can't bring on stage or... There are too many voices for us to bring them on stage. So let's compile it into a video with like snippets from each. Like uh, I just did this. I mean, it was for a board retreat. It wasn't for an event. But we interviewed staff with a series of questions that we wanted the board to know about. It was so effective to compile that into a 15-minute video that we showed at the retreat so that the staff voices could be physically in the room for them for these discussions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So like be intentional and strategic. Don't just think, oh, we need something different. Let's put a video together. Right. And then we could do a whole episode on videos too. Maybe we should. About, I know, I think we should. Like strength-based approach and like all this kind of stuff. Let's talk about when videos, another example of when videos are really helpful for award winners. A hundred percent award winners. Always do not give award winners the mic, put them in a video. 
Don't give them the mic. Let them say something in the video. Let their friends say something in the video, their bosses, whoever that is recommending them for the award. And then they come up, they grab the award, you shake your hand, they wave. End of story. And they're out. They're out. Mm -hmm. I was actually at an event where they had done that and they'd done it really well. But the award winner came up and you could see she was holding on to like little note cards. Yeah. And the CEO did such a good job of like meeting her in the middle of the stage, like nowhere near a microphone, getting the photos there and then literally like physically pivoting her off the stage. I was like, that woman knows what's going on. (laughs) Exactly. And I know that sounds horrible, but I mean, that should all be communicated beforehand. Right. right? And my guess is that it probably was communicated, but that person still thought that they were going to have an opportunity to say something. But, you know, you just have to be really upfront with people about it. And that's what I always see what happens with the public officials. Like nobody wants to be the one to say, no, like you can't talk or no, you only have three minutes and 42 seconds, you know, like whatever that boundary is that you're trying to put in place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the theme for our discussion thus far is like, we're just putting confines in around everything so that we are controlling the experience for all the guests. And those who know, they really fucking know. They fucking like know. They're, sh- they're shaking their head right now. They're like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's the people that don't know who just attend, who think, who never have put on an event like this, who don't realize all the millions of moving pieces that are in play they don't realize what a big deal it is. Right, right. What's it a big deal if I talk for six extra minutes? It's a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal. Well, and again, like we said at the top, like all of this should go back to the the specific goals of the event. Yep. Like a program for an event does not live in isolation. If you are not thinking about what you're trying to do, are you trying to raise money? Are you trying to bring in new donors? Are you trying to create community? All of those actually require different programmatic elements. Because if this is a fundraiser, all of these pieces are building up to one moment. And that is the moment that we ask the audience to make a gift. Yeah. And if those haven't been strategically put in place, that moment can land flat on its ass. 100%. And I've been there and it sucks. It feels really awful. I mean, it's such a delicate dance to get to it and to have, to be inspired, right? Like you want them to feel inspired. You want them to be informed. You want them to be inspired. You need the energy at a certain place. And when that doesn't happen because somebody ends up talking about themselves and it just pulls all the energy out of the room, Mm -hmm. you can't get it back. Yeah. I can think one of my best examples of this happening really well, uh, where they like really understood their audience and the goals. It was an event for a giving circle that I was part of. So like you've got this membership kind of situation and they really like led by the ethos of giving circles. Like this is about community building and philanthropy in one. And so instead of having just a program to say, hey, here's all the great work we've been supporting, they actually had experiential pieces at the tables that allowed you to talk to the other people at your table. It was like maybe a 15-minute moment in the program. 
This was probably six or seven years ago. And I still remember it so vividly because it was a fantastic moment. And then they went right from there into the ask. And it was like, yeah, this is what we're about. This is why I come to this. Of course, I would love to give you more money. A hundred percent. Like they just, they brought us to that moment so perfectly. Uh, And when that happens, it's like pure magic. Right? It feels so good. So good. So good. (laughs) I have been in that place. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know this because I tell you everything. But, you know, when I started my own business doing this kind of thing, where I was not fully in control of every aspect of the event, like I would be if I was in the organization, but I was hired to put the event on. I felt this, I mean, I still do, but at the very beginning, especially as I was just kind of getting used to this new role, I felt an immense amount of pressure to have a successful event, right? For them to meet their goals. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot that I could control, but then there was a lot that I couldn't. You know, like I didn't have the relationship with their donors. And that's what I really, when I was working full time for organizations, that was what made my events successful is because I knew the donors and I had that personal connection. So, you know, when I go in and I'm working with a different organization, I'm really relying on them and their help and their relationship with their donors. And some organizations do that really well and some don't, right? Right. For a number of reasons, you know, they, have turnover in the development director role or whatever, you know? And so there was this one that I worked as one of the first ones that I did. And I was just so nervous and I was so nervous about what it was going to be like when we came time for the auction. And, you know, I had done everything that I could with helping them decide who was going to speak, what was going to be the order, what they were going to say, making sure that everything was in there. And then the time came and they had the auction and it elicited like the biggest response that they've ever had in an auction. And I walked out of the ballroom and just started crying. Oh my God. Because A, it was like finally just this like release of pressure, right? Like, oh my God, we did it. And this affirmation of like, it worked. Right. Right. And just witnessing people's generosity. Yeah. And that magic when like it clicks and people get it and they're inspired and they just really want to support a mission. It's so moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's really special. Well, last thing I wanted to bring up is that to that point, because we could go into so many different details, right, of events and the program pieces of it. But I think it's also worth mentioning, making sure you have the right people giving the different messages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about the ask and like who does that and how, because that's such an important component. Yes. So that was a big part. That's kind of what's driving it is that you're always going to have I mean, you're not always, but you might have somebody who is supposed to speak that's not a talented public speaker, right? Like that's not a talent everybody has or a skill everybody has. And so making sure that you cast them in the correct role. Right. So that for those roles that are really important, like the one making the ask, you have the appropriate person that can evoke that emotion in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we'll always say like the, the person making the ask, 
should be some sort of peer to the people they're asking. Now, with bigger events, that gets harder. Like, you put an old white guy up who's sitting on millions and making the ask, I, I feel no connection to that. Right. That that feels nothing like my reality. It speaks to a certain crowd. And so especially boards are going to be like, yeah, that's who we need up there because he's going to get the other old rich white guys to give. But I was at an event recently and they did a tandem ask, which I thought worked really well. They had two board members really representing the diversity, kind of like old school, new school. And they had an, an older man who talked about how like when he got out of his career, he decided to give up back and start joining the board. And he's been so inspired. So he's even increased his giving over the years, yada, yada. And then this woman who was like, I'm a working class mom. I don't have a ton to give. But what I do have, I give here. Ooh, I like that. I know the way she said it, it was just like, okay, yeah. I get that. I feel that. And they did such a nice job of like showing mutual respect for each other too, where, I mean, of course it's all little dog and pony, but it made me think like, oh, their board might have it together. That's pretty great. That's awesome. I really like that approach. Mm -hmm. But yeah, whenever possible, like the ask itself saying, join me in giving, give to this organization. We always say, try not to have a staff member do that piece. Right. Because folks give to other philanthropists. Right. That doesn't mean that a staff member can't come up and explain how. Exactly. It doesn't mean you can't then hand it off to an auctioneer to like go through the full paddle raise or whatever you're doing. But that initial like join me in giving, having it be an unpaid person, it has some real power in it. I mean, that's what I say to board members all the time about they don't even recognize in some instances the quote unquote, power they have, mm-hmm. this power for good, right? That sure, I am maybe more comfortable talking about money than you are, but you talking about it is going to be so much more impactful than me because I'm being, I'm getting paid. Right. People know that consciously or unconsciously, right? Like it somehow comes across. Exactly. Yeah. That said, like, I feel like people get scared of doing the ask because they are going to know, all, need to know all the logistics. I love having it handed off. Like, I was talking about these political fundraisers I do. I have somebody give the passionate, come on, join me in supporting this campaign again. And then I jump in and I say, here's your max contribution. Here are the different ways you can give. Here's the stuff you need to think about. So then the asker isn't burdened with that info and needing to remember the like legal important stuff <laughs> that I just happen to have in my head all the time. Right. Well, and that's where, especially if you're doing an auction and then you're going through all the different levels and you're trying to keep energy and momentum going. I am a huge advocate for paying somebody who does that as a profession. Yeah, seriously. I- Like, it is a profession. Let's recognize that. There are people who are really good at it, who are really good at reading the room, who can shift energy when it needs to happen. Yes. I have been to far too many where it's just like, this guy's good on stage, give him the mic. And it can feel so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And for those of us who are used to doing these types of events, we know like, oh, they're losing people. They're losing people. And then like side conversations start happening and they lose the attention in the room and nobody's raising their paddle and it gets super awkward. I mean, it just, you will make your money back over and over if you actually hire somebody who knows how to address that. 
right? How, how to pull the focus back. Yeah. How to like make light or laugh at something that is a little uncomfortable for a second and redirect. Yeah. That said, you still need to prep your auctioneer. I was at an event. It was for a, like a women's empowerment organization. One of their programs was specifically around substance use disorders. Like it was a dry event. That's like such a core part of their values. And the auctioneer kept making jokes about like no. margaritas and like let's no. grab wine. To the point where the executive director had to like pull them off stage midway through and be like, you got to cut that out. Yeah, it was bad. Absolutely. I mean, every good auctioneer that I have worked with, it is a partnership. Yeah. Right. Like we're meeting ahead of time beforehand over and over. I get really involved in the strategy of it. So I'm like talking to them and I'm like, okay, this is going to happen first. And then I, you know, what do you think about this? And should we do this? And we're doing it together. Yeah. Well, and even things like how do we talk about our clients? Right. Like what terminology do we use? The organization needs to equip the auctioneer to be able to to use the same language and to do so really comfortably. And the nice thing is, I mean, where we live, there are a lot of different auctioneers. Mm -hmm. So you can find someone that resonates. I mean, because if you find an auctioneer, yes, this is their job and this is what they do. And they do it for a million different causes. But if you can find one that has a connection to your mission, I mean, nothing beats that, right? And then they really enjoy it too. And they're learning about your organization and they really want to see you succeed. And yeah. Yeah. And all of this, I mean, we hit on it very briefly because I think we have a whole episode on it, but this is also all about the asset framing. Like, how do we talk about the work we do in a way that focuses on the strengths of the people we're working with, that puts them at the center of their own stories, that doesn't rely on a lot of deficit language. And we want to make sure that that is coming through at every level of the program. And that ties all the way back to making sure that all your speakers know about that, that you've read their speeches, so you know it's following that, that the video is illustrating that, that if you're hiring an outside person like the auctioneer, that they're reflecting that as well. That's when you know it's a really well-orchestrated program. Yep. And it's all done in either 15 minutes or an hour. (laughs) Yeah. If your event is going longer than an hour... Like, be ready to cut off a mic. Chase the guy down across the stage. (laughs) Grab the mic out of his hand. Chase the octogenarian across the stage. (laughs) Whatever you got to (laughs) do. Oh, well, this was a good one. I really enjoyed this. I've kind of been knee deep in this stuff already. And like you said, people are gearing up for fall event season and they should already be thinking about this. So hopefully... You've picked up at least one or two helpful tips if uh, you're in that same boat and planning for a fall event. I'd also say, and we'll drop this in the show notes, um, if you haven't read Vu's, I want to say it was like two weeks ago, it was sometime in June that he released an article about community-centric events. Mm -hmm. Check that out. It's got some really great content and it goes beyond just the program. It's just like, how do we think about events as really building community and doing so in an equitable way. So check it out. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Go join our Patreon where we're talking about Mackenzie Scott and Loot on Apple TV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And always feel free to email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Shout out to the two listeners who emailed us 
to tell us that there was an editing issue in one of our latest episodes and we sounded high as fuck. So thank you to you two. <laughs> he said we sounded super chill. <laughs> <laughs> we really sounded like we were from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody. And I hope you all enjoy your short week. Have a good one. Take care. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind the scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy, and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.